Hey guys, welcome to Bagging Boardcast, episode number 397. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that happens sometimes weekly. <laughs> In three different ways. The first being the Week in Geek, where we go out to the news garden and gather up all the nerdy bits. Then we go into the list, which are the books. Oh, man, I am so rusty at this. It used to, it used to just flow from my lips. Uh, then we have the list of comic books that we are looking forward to coming out December 11th, 2019. Let's get yep. ready to read. John, John it's not 2019 yeah. anymore. Oh, no, sorry. Never mind. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> So I thought we were looking. I got, we were looking far ahead. I was like, "Wait, no, <laughs> no, we're only a week ahead of our books." <laughs> By the time this one's this one's ready to go, though, we'll see. <laughs> Not the most timely podcasts anymore, guys. Uh, yeah, we we have an episode in the in the vault that we recorded a month ago. A month ago, when uh, when I was in Buffalo, it's, it's a it's a fun episode. I can't wait to listen to it, honestly. I plan on putting on the. I plan on putting the movie on and listening to us watch it and listen to it. Then we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic, which this week we're taking a look back at some of the comic books that came out in October and November 2019 uh, from Marvel Comics. Let me get the list open here. We have Fantastic Four Grand Design number one, then King Thor number one, uh, then over from DC we have. Basketful of Heads, number one. Joker, Killer, Smile, number one. Dark Multiverse, Batman, Nightfall, number one. And Question, number one. Could have just listed the titles and then said all number ones, like you did, but I didn't. It happens. Yeah, usually the books we pick are number ones. Sometimes they're different. Most of the time, though. Yeah, one thing that's always number one with us, though, is drinking. Mmm. And Chris, what are you drinking? I am drinking a beer given to me by John when I was back in Buffalo uh, hey. last month in October. Uh, and this is from Weyerbacher, and this is their Sunday morning stout, a stout aged in bourbon barrels with coffee. Uh, right high at 12.7% ABV. And you said this is what, a 2017? Uh, it should say on blue on the side of your bottle. Uh, oh, there it is. Uh, yeah. Uh, so... There's two dates, because it says February 14th, 2017, and then it says February 14th, 2019. So I'm yeah, guessing that's the that's date you were supposed to drink it, it by. Oh. No, it was when it was bottled and what you sh- when you should have drank it. Okay, well. So I mean, we're, we're a little behind on that. A little behind, but you know what? It's still really good. Um, it does have a good sweetness to it. I attribute I, that to the stout, and then it has like a really strong coffee flavor on it. Is this the one that you didn't like, and then you went up to get another beer? No. Okay. That's the way I didn't know we were going to drink that one first. I would have opened it and had it with you. Oh. Well, I thought, because that was the only beer we had in common, I thought that's why. Oh, I thought we'd start with the other ones. Here, uh, I'm going to crack it open and just drink it out of the bottle like a savage. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah. John doesn't have his camera on anymore, so I can't see him, but I take him at his word. I believe he is doing this. I'm, I'll talk about the tea I drank. Yeah. It wasn't. Was it an Earl Grey hot? No, it was an English breakfast hot. Uh, decaffeinated because it's you know eight o'clock at night, and uh, yeah, I'm drinking tea because I have a small procedure that I'm going into the doctor's office to have taken care of tomorrow, so I'm not drinking tonight. So uh, yeah, 
Wegmans, just tea. English breakfast, black tea, decaffeinated. Not bad, you know. Tastes like black tea, like Lipton's. Really nothing to talk about. Nothing to write home to the soldiers about just on a, that. Just a tea. Just uh, a tea. So this Sunday morning stout is a pale comparison for what this beer is. To me, Sunday morning stout is a founder's KBS killer. Uh, four pack, cheaper than KBS by almost like $10. And just as good, if not better. Uh, this beer has all the elements that make it great, just very, very muted. Um, it's sad that I let it go too long. I should have had this after a year. Uh, but I had it fresh. I had it good at one point. And, uh, it's too bad. Like we didn't even, it didn't even come to this area. I don't think we're even getting what, where Bacher distributed in our area anymore. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I mean, and to compare it to something like Founders Breakfast, how it's pretty big, um, because they did just announce that that is going to be available year-round, too. So do you think that's going to adjust the price for it a little bit? Do you think it's no, going to it's drop? Still gonna be, it's still like 20 bucks. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was in there. Uh, and then um, this month, KBS Expresso is coming out. Yeah, I've been trying to find that at my beer store. And I haven't seen that yet. It, it hasn't been released yet. Oh, I thought it had. Okay. No, uh, I'll let you know because you're usually like two weeks after it's released up here. Yeah, a little bit behind you, but I, I still really enjoyed this beer. Um, it's I wish we'd had a little bit fresher because yeah, like you said, it's a leveled out version of it, but it's still it's still really good. And I mean, I really haven't had too much to eat today. I just had some rice and chicken before we started recording, and I can kind of feel that like alcohol burn in my tummy. It's like I got like that belly fire right now. Mm. It's good though. I like it. Yeah. Uh, you'll enjoy three more really boozy uh, stouts, right? <laughs> Good. Glad I, oh, glad I don't have to be that, up at 6 a.m. tomorrow. I'll wait. When that happens, Chris will reach over and fall asleep while grabbing his third beer. <laughs> He'll lose him. No, that, I think uh, I had more than, than that yeah, that, that was night. That was, a, that was a busy day. That was a busy day. And it was also us going like, eh, maybe you shouldn't open that other 10% beer. No, no, it's fine. And then you went to go charge your phone, which happened to be like, oh, I had to crawl across, I had to crawl across my bed to plug in my phone. And then you just fell, <laughs> you fell asleep. And Paul and I stayed on the line for like a half hour just waiting for, for you to come back. And then, and then I woke up and it was the next day. So you know, it worked out perfectly. Yeah, it worked out well. Time traveled. Wasn't drunk or anything. Slept it up. <laughs> And speaking about things that we've slept on, we've kind of slept on the news for the the past month just because we haven't had a chance to record too much. Um, partially my fault because they were remodeling my apartment for the past three weeks and I didn't have access to any of my stuff because it was all boxed up. Um, but hey, now I'm back in order and I'm excited because that means I get to podcast again, but it also means I get to watch Disney Plus because that launched in the in the downtime. Yeah. We've been all watching The Mandalorian. Yes. And we've all been watching... What else have we all been watching? Uh, I've been watching The Imagineering Story, which is really cool. I have also been watching that. Uh, A lot of really cool information and behind-the-scenes looks at Disney attractions as they were building them from, like, decades ago. I'm surprised some of that stuff they even have. 
And also, like, the fact that it's not really sugarcoating uh, the Disney theme park's history. Like, when stuff goes bad, they they talk about it. Uh, so I appreciate that. But I'm also really enjoying the world according to Jeff Goldblum. Uh, yeah, I've watched the first two episodes of that. The uh, sn- I haven't watched the Jeff Goldblum at all. Uh, it's it's, it's fun. Interest me. Um, he he brings an exuberance to everything that he does, and you're not going to learn anything. But just seeing him be Jeff Goldblum is is what gets you in the door. Uh, and I watched a little bit of the first episode of the. Um, the blonde-haired, mousy girl from Veronica Mars. Kristen Bell. Okay, Encore? Encore, yeah. Uh, I didn't like it. I just... That did, it just made me feel sad for people. Um, I did watch the Lady and the Tramp live action. Oh, I tried to watch that. I got maybe like five, ten minutes in, and I was like, this isn't a movie that I need to watch. No, it was it was good, but I, I can see why they did it, and they did it for Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Like, it it would not do well if it went to the theaters. And then I watched uh, Noel. Oh, see, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm waiting on that one until it gets closer to Christmas time, because it looks cute. Uh, we were putting up the Christmas tree. We watched it. It was fun. Yeah, it's okay. It's, it's worth kind of a watch. Like, if you're doing something around the house, like, and it's on in the background, it's that's level... So it's like every Christmas movie ever. It's just something to have on as you're yeah, doing other yeah. stuff pretty much. Yeah. Um, it's it's no Muppets Christmas Carol. I've, yeah. I've watched Muppets some Christmas of the... Christmas Carol, you put your butt in the seat and you watch it. I've watched Muppets. some of the shorts that they've put up too, like the Pixar Spark shorts and then um, like the Forky shorts. Those are okay. I'm like, Yeah, the Forky shorts are getting old for me. The Forky asks a question because mm-hmm. it's the same kind of bit where... No, somebody's kind of answering the question, but not really. And then he doesn't pay attention at all, and then says something kind of moronic. And then we have all just spent three minutes. Yeah, but plus, I, they're only three minutes. Like it's yeah, it's not a huge time investment. I wasn't gonna. It's it's fun. I wasn't gonna watch it till I saw the new uh, Toy Story movie. So I haven't watched them yet. Huh. That's okay. I, I haven't. I'm going to wait on Toy Story movies. Uh, besides that, I mean, Mandalorian's fantastic. I absolutely, absolutely love it. The production value is fantastic. It's so well done. It's. Did they say it was twelve million dollars per episode? I think it was ten it, million dollars. Well, I think wasn't it like a, there's ten episodes and it was like ten million per episode, something like that. It was, but now it's. Eight, I think it's eight episodes now, Ooh. and uh, they're not hour-long episodes either. But they see, I'm okay with them not being hour-long episodes because they cram a lot of stuff in there. And I think if they were trying to pad it out, you'd probably wind up with just like a lot of filler that yeah. would kind of take away from it. Yeah, I'm, uh, and I feel like this past episode was a little bit of a filler episode. Um, I agree, but I I liked Cara Dune. Thought she was kind of badass. Um, she apparently has a rebel tattoo on her face. Yeah, she's got the logo. Where's yeah. it? I missed it. Um, well, it kind of just looks like a freckle under her eye. Oh, 
so that's how you could easily have missed it. Uh, I thought it was good. You know, the whole thing is with the Mandalorian. It's very Western, and this yeah. was a Western story. You know, it's the gunslinger who doesn't care goes to the small town, doesn't want to help him, helps the small town, possibly finds you know love or softens the uh, the gunslinger's heart a bit. Where maybe I could settle down here. You know, like, it's... The whole show has had these Western tropes, and this is just one of those All tropes trope. that you need yeah. you needed to do. Okay. Yeah, and then, uh, then he's got to pick up stakes, and he's on the run again. Like, it's it's so well done. It's like, everyone's losing their minds over Baby Yoda, but I do like how he's kind of growing to care about this little alien because he starts off just calling it the asset. Then it's the child. Now he just calls him the kid. Like he's, it's total blister. It's like, Oh yeah, I got the kid with me. Yeah. And he calls him a bo- the boy. Right. So we know has the gender reveal happened. I don't I know. Mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a white woman on Instagram, so I'm not sure. Uh, he said, you know, he even called, you know, even in the early, he calls him thing, you know, the thing. You know, and then yeah, he's he's growing to uh, appreciate the baby Yoda. I think that I think it's great. I think production values are good. Um, every episode, there's had a little things where I've kind of like, you know, like you could nit, you could really nitpick, but it's the most fun I've had with Star Wars in years. And I, if this is where these shows are going to be going, or possibly what the new series of movies they're going to do after the uh the last um episode here i'm excited because it seems like they're taking that big universe and showing us different parts that aren't just the same things we've seen a thousand times yeah i'm okay with something fresh yeah i'm i'm looking forward to the uh obi-wan kenobi hands down like if this is the level of thing they're of product they're going to give me, I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, we've gotten a lot of pictures of, um, the upcoming Falcon and winter soldier series online. Um, spoiling kind of some of the, the outfits and everything you got winter soldier with, um, short cropped hair, uh, kind of more of what he was of Bucky from first Avenger. Um, kind of what his his suit looks like you you see a little bit of uh um the falcon you see some images of what uh usa agent's gonna look like so it they're starting to tease tease those things pretty good to get me more excited about why i paid for a three-year subscription to uh disney plus you paid for two you get the 30 or free very true on how you look at things. Ooh. I'm pounding this 11.5 beer. And we also got to look at a uh, new trailer that uh, Chris shared with us because John refused <laughs> so to share with it us uh, with it at four in the morning. Yes, uh, for Black Widow. Yeah, we got the first teaser trailer. Uh, we saw some concept art and stuff before, but the first actual look of Natasha and her first solo movie. And at the beginning, I was like, okay, yeah, this is definitely a teaser trailer because it was just showing footage from previous movies. But then the last half of it, it's all new stuff. And as soon as you get David Harbour 
and I'm like, all right, yeah, sign me up. And then you get some like Taskmaster stuff. So it it looks cool. Yeah, it, it David Harbor definitely brings the uh, comedic element to the, the whole whole thing because that suit is ridiculous. Yeah. I like when he just he in, just, the, in the clip he just puts on the hat and he's like, Aah! he's just so excited. He's got a big bear chest <laughs> going. He's just like still fits. <laughs> It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's just sad that we have to wait until summertime. Yeah, it's like but, the longest I mean, longest drought between Marvel movies, I think. Yeah, but I mean, again, they just put a lot of time and effort into uh, Endgame and Infinity War. Yeah, and I know they have the Disney Plus series coming up too, so that's that's more content. And I think at the end of the year, we're going to have more stuff than we've ever gotten, but man, I still like having to wait. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and they'll turn on the fire hose again, Chris, and be like, ah, so many movies I can't keep. No, we need, we need more content for great Marvel movie retrospective. Have you guys heard the rumors that, um, like, uh, Black Panther two, the villain might be Victor Von Doom. Uh, no, that I have not heard. Get- yeah. Getting his vibranium armor set. What? Uh, yeah, it, uh, it's just those rumors out there. Who knows who started them? If they're going to happen, but it was more like. Are you starting the rumor? Is that what's happening right no, now? No, no. Google it. It'll it'll definitely pop up. I mean, I just I just Google it. But yeah. Um. Yeah. Let's, It'd be let's a, start a wild rumor, I guess. Let's just do it. I think we've done that with some weird things. Didn't we do one about Bob Saget? I feel like... I don't remember. We say a lot of dumb shit. Yeah, we do. But that's not us purposely trying to start a rumor. That's just us saying dumb shit. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, I think it's Namor. Yeah. Why not? Let's go. Maybe it's... Because nobody cares about Namor. Nobody cares about Namor. Submariner. Submariner. They could make people care, but I don't know. Do we have anything else for news? Or they could. I know it's been like a month, but I'm trying. Like nothing else has jumped into my mind. Uh, I like one thing I've I've been really enjoying. Um, the Watchmen series on HBO started. Uh, pseudo sequel to the graphic novel. Uh, I've been really enjoying it. I think it's excellently, excellently, blah blah blah, excellent. Uh, extremely well done. Um, production value is great in it. I went in with very uh, zero, actually negative numbers. I went in expecting to hate it. Uh, Love the first episode, and it just keeps getting better and better. And uh, I'm actually excited to see where it goes. I'm hoping it's just a season, and they don't try to make make more of it out of that. I hope it's like a season and then maybe they tell another story within this Watchmen world. So, uh, but yeah, that's just something I, I kind of wanted to talk about real quick. Something that happened comic book related. I'm just, I wasn't a big fan of the Watchmen comic book series. Wasn't a big fan of the original, the first movie. So I just have no interest it's not even like, cool, it's good. I'm glad it's good. I'm glad you're enjoying it. But, you know, some things just aren't, don't click with me. And that's one of them. Yeah. 
understandable. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, Lost didn't click with you either, and that's also by Damon Lindelof. So, oh, it's Chris. It's very Lost. Oh, I, I was <laughs> assuming it was. I can understand why people really go to the Watchmen and saying, "Hey, this is a great." You know, it started a whole thing with comics. It was the nine-panel grid redone. It's a whole thesis on the comic book genre. I get it. I understand it. It's just not for me. No, that's yeah. okay. It's like one of those books. Like I don't have to go back and read it ever again. Like it's, it is what it is. I, I like it enough, but yeah, it's it's a thing. It's just not my kind of comic book anymore. Yeah, I read it. The I I think I was the first out of the three of us to buy it. I read it. I gave it to Chris. Chris gave it back to me, and then I didn't read all the stuff in between all of the issues, all that weird backup stuff that Alan Moore did. And Chris was like, oh, you should really read that. It explains a lot. So then I went back and I reread the series again, reading all that stuff in the middle. Uh, but no, I've never, I've never thought about going back and rereading it again. Well, you know what we are thinking about. There you go. That was a segue the I was going to make. Is it the books coming out December 11th? The comic books. <laughs> Next year? 2019, uh, Chris. Yeah, Let's I got get Back to the to Future. Uh, Chris, what book are you looking forward to picking up uh, this week? Or next? Yeah. As bad as we've been about podcasting, I've been even worse with reading comic books. Uh, so I'm just going back to try to pick up things that I've slept on and missed. Um, and one of those books is actually something that we read the first issue of for the, the list like a while ago. And that was actually the dreaming. I picked up the first trade paperback of it. Uh, this is the Sandman presents book by size Spurrier. I believe it's like the first five or six issues of, uh, the series. And I'm, I'm going to be picking it, uh, as probably my, my pick for this week. Cause there's really nothing else coming out like recently, that I even need to pick up because it's all just like my usual monthly books. Nothing big's happened for me, unfortunately. So yeah, but yeah, I'll stick with that one. So I'm going to ask you, and I'm also going to ask John. Cy uh, Springer, isn't he doing also the Book of Magic and Constantine? Is he writing all three of those books then? The, uh, that I'm not I sure. I don't about. even I know how to spell his name. I can't tell you because um, when they did that whole relaunch thing. I, I was like half on board for it. I, I was excited for more Sandman yeah, read, stuff, but uh, we House read most of the first issues for Look Back. Yeah, he is doing the, the Hellblazer one, though. That is yeah. something that I can confirm. I picked up the annual thinking it was the first issue of the Hellblazer. And then when I realized I paid for the annual and then I saw the price of the first issue, I was like, eh, <laughs> I'm okay for right now. Maybe if it drops in price, because it's I think it's like four ninety nine for the first issue. He's a big. But something I won't be paying four ninety nine for is Criminal Macabre, the big bleed out from Dark Horse Comics. It'll be three ninety nine. Hmm. And this is uh the return of uh Carl McDonald, written by uh Steve Niles, art by Giula Nemeth? 
possibly her name. Uh, and this is the story about a uh, a cult monster hunter detective, uh, hard boiled kind of uh, detective series, but dealing with um, monsters and the things that go bump in the night. I've read a bunch of these over the years. Um, I think it was originally a uh, novel that Steve Niles wrote. Um, never read any of those. But it was interesting to see that uh, it's coming back and the fact that it would come out in December and not possibly start in October uh, is odd. But uh, I'm going to give this one a chance, see if it's good. Sometimes the stories are great, but the art is really bad. It looks like the art in this might be really good. So possibly for look back. Yeah, that's what got me about a lot of the criminal macabre stuff is I like the idea of it. And that's back when I was really big into more of like the horror stuff, especially from Steve Niles, because he had just come off of 30 days of night. Um, and he was just kind of making himself known as like a, the next gen, like horror writer. Um, but a lot of times, like since he was working at smaller publishers like IDW or dark horse, the art just wasn't there to sell me on it. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad uh, he's still kicking yeah. around this yeah, idea. I, they're interesting stories. And I've tried to get some of those, like there's like a, a Frankenstein, you know, like Joe Frankenstein, occult detective and stuff like that. And I've picked them up and I've, tried to get into them and they didn't really do anything for me i think the last time i really got into it was um it was an eric powell it was like um who's from young guns who's the uh the cowboy in that uh emilio estevez's character um oh i don't remember billy the kid uh, he did a Billy the Kid's old time Western oddities or something like that, and it was Billy Kid on the West um, or Billy the Kid on the Run, and he falls into like this sideshow horror kind of uh, carnival where he ends up just having these different like adventures with these like the Wolf Boy and stuff like that, and those were fun. Um, and I like those. Again, like sometimes the art was really good. Sometimes the art when Eric Powell wasn't doing it wasn't that great, but they were fun books. Um, but that's the last time I really enjoyed like the a macabre uh, quote unquote story. Paul, well, we got a lot of macabre stories coming up, but uh, I- I'm looking forward to something that I already own, but it's coming out in a hardcover omnibus collection, guys. And this is uh, Brian K. Vaughn's, uh, I think, masterwork? Seminal work? I don't know. Uh, Why the Last Man? And this is all 60 issues. Oh, jeez. Combined one, oh, that's... And one big old omnibus. I only own... Uh, no, I own yeah, you again. do. We uh, helped buy you a couple of those. Yeah, they're great. Uh, this is... This is the entire works, and this is is a suggested retail Oof. price of one hundred and fifty dollars. That's, that's, so that's actually no, but that's kind of good. Sixty issues. That's uh, let's do the divisions. That's uh, you know, under yeah. two dollars an issue, right? Yeah. No, no, I'm just going to agree with anything you say because <laughs> one because tw- that would be one twenty. So that's uh, like two dollars. That's like paying full price for the issues as they. <laughs> Which you did, didn't you? And then you bought the trades? 
<laughs> no, I only bought the last five issues because they were the last, because I caught up in trade, and then I bought the last five issues. Uh, because I didn't want. You know, to I, I think I only one. have I have by sixty. I only have two dollars and fifty cents per issue. I have two walking Omnibuy. I have two Walking Omnibuy? Dead, and then I have uh, the Six Gun, which I think my first Christmas with my wife when we were dating, she bought me, and it's the collector's edition that comes uh, in a casket, and you open it up, and the cover is uh, the general in that, and on the inside of the the box cover, it's all these finger marks because it looks like he's been claw- trying to claw out of his coffin. That was a cool. That was a cool gift. I don't know. That's that's where I'm at. So, well, that's that sounds great. I got the you know the Starman omnibus, but those are more just hardcover yeah, collected than compendiums, like, right? Yeah. Right. So and so I just looked into it, Paul, and the issues were two ninety five each when they came out. So, okay, so you're getting fine, a little same. bit of a discount. A little yeah, bit. Yeah, decided Saving to... Forty-five. Is it, it coming with any it. extras or anything yeah. like that? No, just a hardcover. Just a, it doesn't say. Well, ac- and actually, the the final issue is five dollars. Oh, the well, there was a yeah. So, so, so <laughs> I've, I've I've fallen down this rabbit hole, and I'm looking into. This. Yep, we, it's very economical now. You convinced me. I'm selling you on it. Um, oh, I got the. I got the trades. I haven't gone back and read the trades uh, completely in the longest time. Um, I used to read my Starman trades once a year, and I haven't even done that for the past, like, two years. So, uh, you know, I, I've been a bad comic reader, so maybe maybe I should get back to reading uh, some, of the, you know, picked- some of the trades that are still on my shelves. Or, you know what you could read instead? And now, a dramatic reading. From Runaways, number 11, page 6, panel 2. He's so tall! Why did the, you tie Victor to Balloonstein? I didn't do this. I told Molly I missed flying. When we have restored your electromagnetic abilities? That's alright, I got it out of my system. That was a dramatic reading. From Runaways... Number eleven, page six, panel two. Yeah, that that was three different voices. A lot of characters. That was, I think that's the <laughs> no. most we've ever had in a panel because it's. Uh, I mean, it's Runaways, so it's Molly, a Doombot, uh, Victor Mancha, and then you have Chase Stein, all in one panel. I had no idea who any of these characters were until you said what the name of the title was, and I'm like, oh, it's Molly. <laughs> It's Molly there. Well, she's got a dumb hat on. You can tell. Yeah, she does have a dumb hat um, on. But I couldn't tell. Like I said, I've been bad about reading comics. When I was actually on the plane to and from Buffalo for my birthday trip, I had a back catalog of Runaways issues downloaded. It's still a good, solid read. Like, that book holds up, even, like, the uh, the current run of it. I like it a lot. Whenever I travel, I actually grab a random trade of Starman, and I'll read it or ba- thumb through it. Uh, yeah, that's what I usually do on my travels. Uh, yeah, this trip. I mean, 
I'm really bad at reading comic books now, so I try to catch up on some of my reading. Uh, but then also on this trip, Paul, I read some uh, Harry Potter. There you, you know, go. For when we get around to doing word books with friends. Word books with friends. Uh, uh, while we're talking about things we're going to get around to, I'm pouring my next beer just in case. You should. Because you guys got three beers to get to, and we're a third of the way, two thirds of the way through the show. Actually, that's untrue. We're a third of the way through the show. Yeah, well, without all our bro- uh, bullshit, we'll probably. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're a quarter of the way through it. Yeah. More than likely. Guys, we record two hour so, podcast, and we've only hit 30 s- minutes. <laughs> so, yeah, but sometimes we manage mm, to get it to an uh, hour 30. <laughs> Some, sometimes we're a cool yeah. we're a cool hour like every we're, we're while. never cool a cool hour. Anything, what it would though. take to read our first book that we're reading in our look back <laughs> yeah this is uh the fantastic four grand design art and words done by tom scaroli uh and this is you know basically telling you the complete an utter story, beginning to soup to nuts of uh, the Fantastic Four. Yeah, and uh, John, you were talking about the nine-panel grid before. Every single page of this grand it's design 20. book is probably like a twenty, fi- a fifteen panel. Is yeah, it? Yeah, I, I basically yeah. counted them. It's, it's like almost it's every everyone is like twenty or eighteen. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're doing the guided view on the digital reader, you just keep on noticing that you're pressing the button a lot to move on to the next one. Yeah, I, I did the uh, the full page view, and I think that's part of what like made me not pay attention to this book is because it's literally the history of the Fantastic Four. So it goes back in galactic history where you're seeing like the origins of the Kree Skrull War, like the asteroid that struck Wakanda, like the history of the Inhumans, like you don't get to the actual Fantastic Four until I think like 20 pages in. And you don't even get them then, because it was the scrolls the whole time! It's it's a dense book and we all really enjoyed the X-Men Grand Design book. I think this Mm -hmm. is just a pale comparison to that. There's nothing wrong with it, but there's nothing that hooked me into it, because it's it's just like one or two panel bits of story, and I found myself just kind of flipping through it, just being like, oh, I recognize this panel. Oh, I recognize this moment. And, like, the art is squeezed it, it into wasn't these little in panels, and it's like the thing that was great about Grand Design is, is like, the look and the feel of the book, and, like, the character designs and the look of this book is great, but the fact that the, everything is squeezed into these tiny panels, that it just doesn't have that same kind of feel. It just feels so condensed. I, I don't want to crap all over your book, Paul. Because, I mean, it no. it does what it's supposed to do. It's telling you the history of the Fantastic Four. It has that kind of pulpy 1960s sci-fi comic book look. It does a good job of capturing that atmosphere and attitude of comics in that time. But even now, just like, I'm on, I don't even know what page is this. Uh, It's not showing me. Um, And I'm just like, 
trying to read it up at the beginning and I'm like, I'm seeing all these other panels out of the corner of my eye and I'm just dreading getting through. Yeah. Because the thing is, it's so every page, it's 40 pages in the way as we said. It's only 40 pages. Oh, jeez. I thought it was a lot more. The pages are dense, but it's there's so much history with the Fantastic Four and so many little, like, so many characters got introduced through the Fantastic Four. And so many big things happened with the Fantastic Four, the coming of Galactus, these really big stories, that it's a lot to then just kind of quickly just give a page summary of each one. And that's what basically the first 20 pages are. Like, oh, and here's the Celestials, and here's this character, and here's that character. And... Uh, it's, it, you know, as somebody that's, you know, like the Fantastic Four and's read up on the history, and maybe I haven't read, you know, I didn't read the original books, but, you know, you read the current stuff and they harken back to the, the things and kind of retell you the same stories over and go over again. And you're like, oh, okay, so that's kind of the original story, but I didn't get anything more from it. Like, at least with the X-Men Grand Design, like, I kind of knew some of the X-Men wacky stories, but the X-Men Grand Design, like, actually fleshed it out for me more, so I actually understood, like, what was happening a little bit better. Where here, I'm like, oh, it's just kind of nonsensical, because they even go with all the nonsense. Well, then, even at the end, after they do all this, you have the Fantastic Four Grand Design additional reading. And then it gives you extra stuff that you should know for, like, page one, page two, page three pages 35 through 36 like it breaks down every page and gives you more detail that they didn't put in the pages and paul you bought number two did you buy them both before you read this one or yes okay i was assuming because when i went to read this and i was like oh okay paul has both of them and i was like why does paul have both of them (laughs) Because, like like we say, we read our comic books right before we start recording. So, you know, it's, it's what happens. So that number two might never get read. I'm surprised issue one got read. I said, it's oh, hey, the guys, the, uh, the last book I need to read is Paul's. And they were like, you're not gonna. And I was like, no, I really want to. I like, I want to check it out. And they're like, you're not going to do it. And I open it up and I get to the first page and I'm like, I'm not reading. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to read this. No. No. And I, I think this really solidified just how great of a book the uh, X-Men grand design was because this made me want to go back and read Yeah, or even again. like the, he he did the the rest of them. Or the did, rest like, of them. The, with the 60s, basically 60s to 70s run and then or 80s run and then he did the 90s to present, something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, the X-Men Grand Design. Uh, read those books. Still a great skip book, the Fantastic, yeah. Skip the Fantastic Four book. Um, I think there's a trade-out now, like Behold Galactus, Fantastic Four, Behold Galactus, and I heard that's pretty good. But that's the actual just reprinting of the old Stan and Jack comics of the first appearance of Galactus, and then, like, two other appearances of Galactus, uh, finishing with John Burns' Galactus uh, run with Fantastic Four, so it's like maybe 16 issues. I heard that's pretty good. Uh, So if you want some classic Fantastic Four, read that. Skip Grand Design. 
because there's not it's just not enough here that actually makes me like oh yeah it doesn't hit my nostalgia and, buttons you know and the panels are so small that there's like yeah. so little detail in them <laughs> and that was what was nice like it was like with the x-men grand design was it was like an artist who kind of does that old school pulpy look but he still put like a lot of detail into it and it wasn't just like a white background with a yellow circle and uh, a monster running and then the next panel is a white panel with a blue circle and mr fantastic stretching in it you know like it just like uh it just doesn't have any this is a fantastic four book without any heart and soul to it it's just uh the cliff notes a re- it's a it's a regurgitation of yeah, the Fantastic uh, the Four Cliff history. Notes to Fantastic Four history. No, but what what is good, Chris? Is it the next beer that you're drinking? Um, it was good. I'll say that. Um, at one point, because the next beer I cracked open was actually the Otter Creek Russian Imperial Stout, ten uh, percent ABV. That's, I'm trying I, to find the date on I this I think one. that's like 2016, 2015. It's it's definitely past its prime. We had it um, we had it like two years ago, and we're like, if, mm, <laughs> this is. I think this is on its way out. So yeah, I don't want to say it's teriyaki, but it has like a raisin sweetness to it, and then you get a little bit of like that dry stout on the back end, but a little smoky now that I've. Not clean my palate, but like the liquid's been drained. I have like that stout dryness and then like a smokeness to it. But I'll I'll finish drinking it. It's you, you don't have it's to. not what it was. I'm going to because it's here. And I mean I've already drank like well, almost crack, half of it. Listen. Yeah. You know, we got some more books to talk I'm not about, gonna drink but. another beer because I'm drinking an eleven and a half percent uh bourbon barrel aged beer. And this is from Warhorse Brewing Company. This is Easy as Pie, Imperial Stout with Cherries and Lactose, aged in bourbon barrels for 10 months. Uh, this beer, right off the bat, was um, really amazing. The pop of cherry, the bourbon, the stout, really, really fantastic. Six, it's a 16-ounce uh, bottle. This, I would have been better off uh, sharing with somebody. Um, the fact that I'm almost finished with this, I've probably had 10 ounces. Mm. Um, the lactose in it, I, I'm I'm guessing it's the lactose in it, has just kind of muted all the flavors on my palate. And I, you, all those flavors that I thought popped and were amazing right in the beginning have all become very muted. Um, it also might've been the Sunday morning stout. I don't know, but it's, um, it's definitely something to share. Those big, bold flavors might've just hit me so hard that it, it blew out my palate. Um, I don't know, but it's still good, but the cherry, everything seems really, really muted to what it was when I first started drinking it. So it might just be the Sunday morning stuff. Kind yeah, of I think it's bomb. just how big this beer was, and 
I don't think just one person should drink this by themselves. But I'll tell you this, for 11.5%, um, no alcohol to it, you get a really nice boozy bourbon nose. Um, and to start, like the start of this beer was just amazing. At this point, it's almost like work to finish drinking it. Wow. But, uh, I mean, some of the Imperial stuff I've had from Warhorse have been really great. I would, I would rate this high. I wouldn't rate it like, I'd probably rate it maybe around a three, seven, five to a four, which I think is pretty good. Um, but just the fact that like the flavors don't hold through, like my palate is just like worn out from drinking this beer. Um, I've only had one beer from Warhorse, and that was the Six Lutzen Soldiers that I picked up when I was in Buffalo. Yeah, and it wasn't bad. Like I didn't dislike it. It it had a nice little sweetness to it, and like a good chocolate malt. Um, I liked it. I mean, I. I have no complaints about it. I mean, it's something different, something I would say I, I enjoy. Believe... You know, not my favorite, not my favorite beer that I had that, you know, that week that I was up there, yeah. but I believe we had a growler from time years ago on the show. Like we've been doing the show for 10 years, like somewhere, maybe about maybe five years, four years of doing the show. We, I brought a growler cause my father used to live uh, on the Finger Lakes around the brewery, and we went there, and I think I brought stuff home. But it's definitely – it's it's a really cool place. So Warhorse Brewery is a brewery um, in the middle of five wineries owned by these three brothers. And they just um, keep making <laughs> – they just keep opening different things. So – they opened a winery that does really big, bold reds. And then they opened uh, a winery where they do, like, really sweet, um, like, this cheap kind of hobo wines that are really sweet, like Arbor Mists. And then they have another one where they just do Rieslings. And they have another one that does kind of this. And then they opened a brewery. And then they opened a coffee roasters. And now I think they're, they're planning on opening a, a distillery. Like, it's... These guys just go like, hey, let's do this now. Like, And if you go to the brewery, you pay 20 bucks, you get a passport where you can go get like five drinks at all of the different stations, at all the different wineries. And they're all separated. Uh, all the wineries are separated nice. and they have different feels and they, you know, they look different. Like this one's really uh, upper class and this is where you get your, your reds and your this. And then you go to the other one and that's where they got the wine slushy and they got all the knickknacks for sale why'd you say wine slushy like that because that's how you say wine slushy okay i've never said it like that because honestly walking around epcot some days a nice wine slushy you, know, you buy a wine slushy that's I've, I've had more wine slushies probably in the last year of my life than i've had in like the previous 36 of them yeah <laughs> well Paul, what's your what's your uh, view on wine slushies? Uh, you know what? I don't think I've ever had a wine slushie. Oh, when you guys come down in uh, February, wine slushies, wine slushies. There we go. Hey, it sounds like the perfect refreshment for vacation, Paul. <laughs> uh, sounds like an episode title too. Who say no? I'm writing it down. You mean perfect refreshment for Paul? 
<laughs> so, uh, what's the next book, guys? Uh, well, the rest of them are John babies, so I feel like... Yeah. So, Paul, why don't you introduce you uh, the Thor one? Because that is a book that you would definitely buy. I would normally buy it. Let's see if I did buy it. I think you, I think you might have. Uh, King Thor. King Thor. Nope, just keep showing them Fantastic Four Grand Design number two. What's weird? This is uh, Superstars Jason Aaron and Aesop Ribic come back together So again. I'm sorry, uh, Aesop they- Ribic's name when you say it sounds like you're saying something backwards. Aesop yes, Ribic? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look behind the crypt. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I heard. Uh, Aesop Ribic. Uh, so they come back. Uh, it started with uh, Gore, the god killed, the god butcher, uh, and uh, the ebony blade. And here in this book, we see that it's years and years in the future after all is, the universe is basically lost. Uh, old King Thor is there with his one eye and his mechanical arm. Uh, well, he's missing, and his three daughters are are looking to try for any kind of information to try to save uh, save Asgard save save their dad save actually the universe because everything is dying at the hands of Loki who has now gotten the all ebony blade uh, John what did he say what made you pick up this uh, book what made me pick this book up is I never really cared uh, about Thor even the thought of reading a Thor book was sluggish um, and we were recommended to read Jason Aaron's Thor uh, by friend of the show, super friend of the show, uh, Steve. And I loved it. It was the first time I, I I loved a Thor book. So when I saw this coming out, I grabbed it because I have, I think, the first three trades of... Um, I think it was Almighty Thor was Jason Aaron's first run on it. Um, and then Paul and I were both picking it up, and then Paul was picking it up, so I would just read Paul's books, uh, basically. And um, I've dipped my, I continue to dip my toe into Jason Aaron's Thor's, all the different ones that he's done. And when There's got to be a better way to say that. <laughs> well, he did, because he had yeah, Unworthy Thor... He had the female Thor, which was just a Thor book. He's had like stuff like this. He's had different Thor books. So I read the different Thor books. The Thors. Uh, yeah. And like a mouthful of Thors. Oof, man. Yeah, it's the Fantastic I Thors. Like I have that. Um, so when this came out, it definitely was one of the things I loved because I really enjoyed the old man Thor. Uh, I out of those books that he did. And, um, especially with Isak Ribbit, I love his artwork. I can't say his name, but for the two of them to be back together, uh, yeah, sign me up. I mean, when they, Uh, when they were doing in the almighty Thor, when old man Thor was fighting, uh, or God Thor or King Thor, whatever you want to call this, Old King Thor. Uh, when he was fighting Galactus, like those bo- those pages were just beautiful. 
So I, so uh, I think, I think you guys like the Thor books a little bit more than I do because I liked the, the Jane Foster, Mighty Thor, mm-hmm. um, and I liked. I don't remember which Thor it was where we had like the three versions of Thor. That was his. That was his like first story. His first story. I don't remember what it was called. Um, this, this book kind of reminds me what I don't like about Thor, where it's just a lot of random words being thrown onto the the page, and it's I don't know if I'm just not getting it because I don't read Thor, or if they're just like Jason Aaron's try to be grandos and like verbose because it's Thor, like you can, like and this is his chance to get away with it. Because I wound up getting distracted as I was reading the book because I feel like I'm not that well versed in Thor comics, so I don't know how much of this is stuff from Thor's past or if it's just Jason Aaron writing a Thor book that's dealing with some sort of reverence for stuff that's never happened, but you know you can write it off because it's Thor, like it makes sense in that universe. I think this is Jason or Aaron's huge finale to his Thor run that's been going well, on. Because for... even on the on the cover, it does say like, "Oh, ending like the the seven year story." It's like, has it really been that long? Because I feel like I've maybe read four or five issues, and it's the only stuff that's been brought to the table for look back. So I don't know if I have enough going into this. I mean, it's a well-done, gorgeous book. Um, I like how you kind of have the dueling art styles because the Thor-Loki battles completely different art from what you have with Thor's granddaughters at the library. Um, so it's a good framing device, but... I would agree with you. Like, this book seems overly verbose it's so i'm kind of going back through it now and i feel like i did almost when i was reading stuff like um kingdom come or earth x where it's like oh well things are different now but i guess i just have to accept it because this is the future of the marvel or dc universe like so yeah i don't know what happened because i haven't seen it happened yet and maybe i'm just getting hung up on that kind of stuff and it pulls me out of the story, but it's, I don't want it to be like a negative review because I, I think it's cool. I, I like seeing Thor get beaten by Loki. And then he's just being like, Nope, mother never loved you. That's your biggest regret. Like there's moments in here where it's like, okay, I, I, I can pick up on these and this is what's propelling me through the story. Uh, yeah. And like, I think the book looks beautiful. I think, in the end, it's Jason Aaron bringing his seven years to an end. But I didn't, I, I didn't love it. I felt myself almost skimming a little bit, like the even the battle between him and Loki. Like, uh, is this? Uh, see, that's those were the moments that I appreciated his, the most. He calls this- he calls his hammer through a sun so he could drop a whole planet of napalm. No, on I know what. There's some cool. Yeah, and the, those cool are those moments that I'm like, okay, bits. yeah, like this is cool. My my, if I was allowed to finish, it's all right. <laughs> I take weird pauses. My wife always yells at me because I take a pause and then she like jumps in and says like, I'm like, you know, I was thinking today, and she's like, oh, that ice cream's not that healthy for you. I'm like, no, why would you say that? Like, 
it's weird. Uh, but the fight between them, like where Loki got this power from, like it just like I didn't know where it, it. I felt like I didn't know where it came from. Like I felt a little behind on what it is in this world. Like Chris was saying, like I feel like I'm missing a little too much of these stories, and I'm just supposed to kind of accept it. And I feel like the original story seven years ago, like I was more inclined to accept it where at this point, I wish I knew a little bit more of what was going on in this book. And maybe by the end of the series, I'd get that. But at this point, I just felt a little slightly lost within this world. I'm glad I'm not the only one that felt that way because I thought it was just because I haven't kept up on all the Thor stuff. I don't know. I just took it that uh, Loki has the ebony blade, and that ebony blade is evil, and he's had it for a while, and, and slowly killing everything in, uh, left in creation. Yeah, and like and, we know, like and, the ebony you know, blade causes you to go crazier and bad for more the Black Knight lore. And uh, so yeah, and he's got the Necro Ravens and some other crazy cool stuff and i'm like oh cool crazy cool stuff let's let's have at it let's just it seems like one of those uh you know schoolyard fights where you say any and then i blast you with my blah 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 ray and then the other kid says well you can't because i have the shield of you know blah blah and it's like all right just keep on like one-upping yourself with all this craziness and they did. And it was fun. Uh, yeah, and let's talk about something that I thought wasn't very fun, that I was really... I was going to say, I don't know what which book you're going to talk about next, because none of them are really fun. No. Uh, no. And this is going to be... <laughs> We're all depressing. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be... Uh, is it the death of the question, or the question the death of Vic Savage? Or uh, the many, the many deaths. deaths? Uh, and this is, you know, the question in Hub City, taking down crime, and there's a cabal or some organization where they have this ring that the mayors belong to, and uh, the art style took me really out of this book, and I didn't finish it. I couldn't, well, I couldn't. I got so just like, ugh, I'm so, like, I wasn't even bored. It was just like I have nothing left in me to finish reading this book. And I was really excited because I enjoy Jeff Lemire. I feel like he can break down and boil down the character and do a great job of reinventing or telling a great story. I thought, you know, when he did that with Moon Knight, I thought he did a fantastic job with those 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 issues it was fantastic so i was really looking forward to what he was going to do with this and i didn't like anything about this book there are well this is a black label book the dc so black label like it just means they charge you an extra two dollars but also the fact that it's like out of continuity so you don't have to adhere to anything Mm-hmm. And I really feel like Jeff Lemire is taking that whole, uh, well, uh, what's his name? 
from Watchmen we Rorschach. were just talking about. Rorschach is based off of the question. And he reversed it. it. But Rorschach's... Yeah. Yeah. It, not over-the-top reverse, but there is a little bit too much of the Watchmen kind of influence, the Black Label influence. Like, he breaks up a pedophile ring, and then he's like, he's like, the cops are already on the way. So you can slick back through the streets if you want, but leave the little girl because she's still good and she could be saved. And then like the one prostitute calls him an asshole and he goes, yeah, but at least I'm not a whore. And I'm like, I'm done with this book at this point. Like, I don't yeah. care. Like this, this isn't for me. Like this, like that's not the question I'm going to be, yeah. that I'm interested no, in reading. But, you know, that's not the guy. Especially the way like Jeff Lemire has been doing, um, the, the dark horse series. Um, like the black, uh, black swan. Uh, black yeah, the black hammer. Black like, hammer. He's been taking like the Starman and doing a Starman book and doing a Justice League book. Like he's been doing these really great interpretations of these characters, and this is, I don't. This is just not the characterization of the question. I guess I wanted. It might be what other people want, and it might be to some people's liking, but. There's nothing about this book that I, I, I liked at all. There's one line. The internet's made it too easy for... To, has taken all the fun out of detective work. That was pretty funny. No, see, I, I like that idea, part where he's just like... Because he's Googling like, oh, weird symbols. Because he's like, how do you research something that doesn't have a name? I, mm-hmm. But that was like the only moment from this book that that I, I liked. Because at first I thought it was the art because, okay, it is it is distracting. Um, Dennis Cohn, he's he's Bill an 80s-style artist. Oh. Um, well, be, uh, Bill Sienkiewicz did the colors for it. Oh. Uh, and I think he did the cover. Um, but just as a whole, like this isn't the question that I want to read. And maybe it's because I've been so ingrained in the Bernie Montoya version of the question for so long that the only strong memories I have of the Vic Sage question are from Justice League Unlimited. But this feels like so far removed from either of those two versions that it's the question and name only for me. And I I couldn't finish this book. I think I got maybe like a third of the way through it and I was like, okay, I'll flip through it just to to see if anything else jumps out at me. And there really wasn't anything that kind of brought me back into it. Uh, the other main issue I had with this book was uh, right after you know he starts piecing it together that there's you know this old society and he goes out on there and all of a sudden they start this clock this clock thing that's going on that didn't happen in the first part of the book but now is a move that they're doing on the second part of the book and there's these three storylines that are all kind of converging but none of them have any weight to them to each other you know I don't feel like they're on a head-on collision for each other because there's no weight. It's about two cops that are, you know, about to, you know, that are doing a traffic uh, stop. And, you know, things go awry. And then the sister that was on the show, you know, know, actually sees her brother, the mayor, you know, beating up the one councilman and is realizing, no, oh, no, he is really that scummy and that bad. Like... And then Vic Siege, you know, going through this whole hideout 
So those three stories, like, have nothing to do with each other. And by the end, like, it's all falling apart. And then again, by the end of the book, none of that seems to matter. So I have no idea what 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 to make of it at this point. Yeah. Because I finished the book. Like... <laughs> Over the over the ten years of doing know. the show, I'm just as we've lost given each other the right to not to not do it when it's bad. Yeah, that's true. I'm I'm just saying, even finishing the book, yeah. you're at the same place I am because I could have skipped all those pages, gotten to the last page, and it's a completely different book at that point because he's somehow back in time. And he's, like, in the Old West, so. And we see that for the cover of number two. And it's, so yeah. who knows? But, uh, and, and we I can talk know. about another Jeff Lemire book from DC, and this is by Jeff Lemire, Andre Sarantino, and this is Joker, Killer Smile, book one. And this book focuses on a psychotherapist who is, interviewing the Joker, trying to boil him down, trying to maybe write a paper or cure the Joker and get his name out there. Uh, private practice therapist who has gotten the ability to do this, uh, who seems to be somewhat cracking, possibly under the pressure, possibly by some thing maybe the Joker has done to him. Um, I enjoyed this book. I got it basically for the fact that it was Jeff Lemire and it would be something to review for the podcast. Uh, and I, I enjoyed it. I think the book looks great. It pops like it's not dark, like the, the savage or the sage one. Um, the, the question one. Uh, I think the book looks great. Uh, and I, I enjoyed it. I don't think I'd pick up issue two. I'd rather have this been more of like a, a one shot, not a series. Uh, but I liked it. Uh, I couldn't help but think about the Joker original graphic novel by Brian Azzarello when I was reading this because that's the story of just a normal, regular run-of-the-mill person that's like has a run-in with the Joker and how their life's changed from that meeting going forward. And when I compare it to that, it's not as good. Um, this is one of the first books that I read for the, the collective podcast today at that time I was like oh this is the roughest but now thinking back onto it like this is probably one of the better books um, I'm not a big Joker fan I haven't seen the Joker movie yet which we didn't talk about really but it's done like a billion dollars like which is crazy for me because it doesn't look like it's that great um but also, the only other art by Andrea Sorrentino that I've seen was the the Eye of Vampire book that, Paul, you were picking up for a while. Uh, um, mm-hmm. 
Green Arrow book that we loved by Jeff Lemire. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Jeff Lemire did that too. Yeah. Uh, Old Man Wolverine uh, with Jeff Lemire, well, also really good. Well, I didn't, I didn't read that one. I only read the original uh, with uh, the Steve McNiven art. Uh, but yeah, I, I forgot that he did the the book with Jeff Lemire there because this just seems like a watered down version of his previous artwork. I don't know. It's like maybe something in the coloring, but just, it seems so sparse now compared to what we had in the, like the eye of vampire book. I think it's definitely meant to be that way. Cause I mean, like even in eye vampire and in, and green arrow and, and definitely in like old man Logan, like, he's got a great way of showing like motion in action and stuff. And he doesn't have anything like that. I think it's purposely done to be very just plain Jane. And maybe you'll get more heavier duty art in the next couple issues. Like it might, but I, I don't need it in the next couple issues. I need it in this one to <laughs> grab yeah. and bring me in. Like the only ones that, are really interesting are where you have those panels of, you know, Joker doing crime. Yeah. Doing crime. And, or it's like, okay, like we have like the different color palette and like things are happening, but so much of this book is just muted and it's just people talking that it's yeah. not interesting enough to like push you through the book. And there's a panel in here where at one point on like, I, I don't even remember the main character's name, but like the psychotherapist or psychoanalyst, he has a Rorschach painting in his living room. And I just, I remember seeing that panel and just thinking like, Oh, that's funny. Cause John sent that beam like last week about like, Oh, I like the Rorschach's mask, but I just don't get why it's my parents fighting or whatever it was. And like, I'm reading a comic book, like a medium and genre of entertainment that I love. And I'm thinking about a stupid text from John, like I got last week, over the book that I know I'm going to be talking about in like eight hours time. This this just didn't work for me, and it made me think, like, yeah, that Brian Azzarello, Lee Bermijo, Joker hardcover that came out like eight years ago was fantastic like that's a great joker story this is but you also read the complete version of that you read the trade you read what would have been multiple issues this you're just getting that and i think that joker book if you just read the first issue but that joker book was an original like graphic novel it was just that one book and that was it yeah but i think if you got the if you only read what have been like the first issue of that book it would have probably been like many books where we said, oh, it was good, but I don't need to buy the second issue. Because the Joker, the Joker's barely in it. No, he's barely in it, but it's a good enough story from like the moments that he is in it that it sucks you in. That Joker original graphic novel I'm looking at right now is 128 pages. Uh, this book here alone is 34 it's a- and like halfway halfway through it, not even halfway through it, I was like, ugh, like, no thank you. Paul? I have to say, the one thing that I have, I've been going back and forth just looking at the pages. The guy that, you know, the Joker that's in the cell looks calm, 
Looks like just a normal dude, except for the white face and the greenish hair. I guess that's greenish. It's so dark. It's green, Paul. No, I, I see what Paul's saying because, like, when they cut in, it's it's really dark. Yeah, but and then so going to what kind of you were saying, Chris? But when he's doing the crimes, man, that guy it pops. Looks, it pops, and he looks more Jokerish than just the guy in the cell. Like, well, because he has like he, like the this uh, Scott Snyder like buzz cut on the side, like yeah, yeah. Well, that's for when he kills the people in like the subway car. If you look at, like, the crime that he pulls in the beginning, he's got longer hair when he gets beat yeah. up by Batman. So there's longer on the side there, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... I'm assuming that's what brought him in, was that one here. But he... Yeah, granted, we don't really get to see him. He, he's far away, and then, boom, punch in the face, so you hardly see him. And then he's doubled over, and then he's in jail. So, but I'm saying, like, the he, even the Joker doesn't look all that much like what I would assume the Joker would look like. I mean, you could, looks like. You could say, like, that's, okay, that's the choice, because those are the moments where you're seeing the Joker through the eyes of everybody. That's the Joker living. That's the Joker mm-hmm. being the Joker. And, you know, when he's being, not interrogated, but when he's Maybe. being, like, talked to, it's like, no, like, right now, like... When he's being manipulated. Yeah, like, now, now I'm just, like, I'm the guy that's talking, like, oh, like, you want to get my secret origin? Like other people have tried this. Like, I'm really good at this game. Like, I can get, like, that's why you have that disconnect in the art styles. Like, that makes sense. But so much of the other story that that all hinges on just doesn't catch. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. I, you know, I'm assuming because, you know, it always seems like in these kind of stories, like, oh, there was a psych, uh, neurotoxin that the joker delivered through touch uh that that um car dangling thing you know the rear of your window uh, smiley face that says best dad ever didn't actually come from a son it, it was from the joker and he's slowly been being you know poisoned you know and then he gave him the he bought the book and that that book actually came from the joker and he brought it home for his son and didn't even realize it and you know He's been manipulated the whole time, and he's not realizing it. And eventually, this guy's going to snap and kill somebody, and I'm just not looking forward to reading that book. And if it is in that book, well, then I don't know what this book's going to do and what it's about, and I'm not that. I don't think there's a way it can turn where I'd be interested in it. There's the obvious turn, and if there is a a non-obvious turn, it's still... Like it's still the Joker story. Like uh, yeah, I I was hesitant to buy this because I don't care about Joker. You know, I I think in years past I thought he was a great villain. The Brian Azzarello book I think is a great Joker book. I picked this up because it was Jeff Lemire, and I wanted to see maybe what what he would do with it. I I enjoyed it to a certain degree, but like I said off the top, like I wouldn't buy issue two. You know, like, even, like, looking back at it, like, nothing in it, like, even would make me, like, oh, maybe I will. Like, I I just don't have it in me to do that. Uh, And a book that I'm glad doesn't have... Wait, before before we get to the next book, can I talk about my next beer? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I I was just looking for a good spot to jump in. Um, And this is another beer... uh, 
Thanks to John. And this is from Jack's Abbey. This is their vanilla bourbon barrel aged framing hammer. Uh, my gosh, I'm not seeing ABV on the side, but I can tell this is definitely another big boy. Uh, and this is a true pint bottle. So I poured myself my glass and I was like, oh my gosh, I still have, I still have more left here. Um, it's got some heft to it. It says on the cover, uh, for, cover. He's talking about comic books, guys. Uh, on the label, 45 IBUs for those that care, pay attention. Um, 10 per, yeah, this 10%, is, Paul, or Chris. Thank you. This is fantastic. This has such a great vanilla sweetness. It reminds me a little bit of the Southern Tier Creme Brulee because it's just like a nice, deep, rich vanilla flavor on it. Uh, this is fantastic. Uh, a year old, thereabouts, and uh, $4.95. For this bottle? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's a great price. I don't know if pricing was just screwed up on it, but like when I bought it and like I just I brought some more bottles in now, they're like the same price and I'm like, I something's something's screwy, but well, you know, I'll, unless it just I'll buy them. Unless it just is like yeah, definitely if you see this out like buy it, sit on it because I mean, at that point, I mean, it's a smaller bottle than the uh the Blackwater series. Southern tier, but no, it's at this point it's they don't make those single bottles anymore, really, but they do they only do the four pack they do the four pack all the back water okay. series now are all nitro cans, so they're four packs, oh wow, really yeah. okay, um they're not doing the bottles anymore, no, and they changed the bottle size year and a half ago to sixteen ounce bottles, oh jeez, wow, things changed um I mean I creme brulee is one of my favorite. Like dessert beers. It's out in nitro I think now. this could. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Okay, that's. That's something I want. <laughs> <laughs> but I think this could definitely stand alongside it at that price point. Because this is fantastic. This is delicious. And I'm glad it's a bigger, uh, bigger bottle because, yeah, I get to pour myself a little bit more and, uh, Enjoy it for the rest of the night now. Yeah. And I'd say the the uh, Otter Creek and the Weyerbacher are on behalf of both Paul and I because they're one of our bottles that were saved uh, by one of us. But the Jack's Abbey's all me. The, J- the Jack's Abbey, I mean, not to call that my favorite then. Because I don't play favorites. Uh, but this has what I want in like a just nice... Vanilla sweet dessert beer. Yeah, we have a uh, and that, that Russian Imperial. Like, because when I went to go check into it on Untapped for tonight, I had originally put that one at like a four point seven five, and I even left a comment on it when I was checking into this. Like, I I can't rate this one because it's so far past the time that it should have been drank by that. This isn't what that beer was because I remember having it before and absolutely loving it. Yeah, it's Weyerbacher Sunday Morning Stout is it's an amazing beer. That's that was really good. So it's sad that it's sad that we let it go too far. But all those fresh IPAs kept happening, and it just pushed <laughs> the seller just pushed the seller back. Where we just like, well, 
we could drink that beer that's been in the cellar, but it could stay in the cellar, but we have this IPA that was canned three days ago. John, you're so much like, oh, you got you got to drink this beer fresh. You got to drink it now. <laughs> you can't even get this beer. Other ones, but don't age them too long. long. You can't even get this beer, but you got to drink it fresh. And that's the thing with drinking. You can't drink it all. You cannot drink it all. You can try, but you shouldn't. Shouldn't. No. You can't no. Yeah. try. Just saying, John, yeah. Jack Savvy, Vanilla Bourbon Barrel H Framing Hammer. If you have more of them anywhere around you, if you could bring those down in February. Uh, we got gift packs right now. The It comes with the, the vanilla and the regular Barrel H Framing Hammer with a little, like, sample glass for, like, 15 bucks, And then I have coffee-aged one with the regular framing hammer box with the glass. And then I have the super mole, which is, like, with cinnamon and peppers and cocoa nibs with the regular one for 15 bucks. And then I also have regular... Anyone who's listening who wants to come to my shop... Uh, I have regular mole from last year for like four bucks, under five bucks. Yeah. Wow, the mole sounds pretty good though. Yeah, I bet like right now too with a year on it, like the peppers, even if they were really hot when it originally came out, like are probably like the perfect, like the pe- the heat probably has dropped off of them. I I've, I've kind of sworn off pepper beers, but. What, the pepper beers, n- I mean, the pepper beers now, especially with stouts, like are stuff that happens. Like, oh, it's this nice pepper on the back end that's a slight warming sensation. It's not like mango magnifico from Founders, where it was like well, see, you took a sip not- and you were like, oh, I have a cauldron of lava in my stomach now. See that one, I never mind. Uh, that one was okay, and then the clown shoes, they're. Mexican sombrero, I think it's called. Like they're like Mexican chocolate that has like the pepper in it. That one's good because it's a good balance. It's when people just like load up on the pepper. And I have a solid stomach, but if I'm drinking your beer and it's giving me indigestion, like something's wrong in your mix because I've got an iron stomach, man. Iron stomach, man. Iron stomach, man. Iron stomach. Man. But John, sorry, sorry to cut you off. Thank you for the beer. You're welcome. What book do you want to talk hey, about next? Thank Paul as well. No, because he said this one's from you. <laughs> yeah, the Farmingham's. All oh, John. That's 100 percent John. Yeah. John, you're kind of like the Jack Sabby guy. <laughs> like anytime I've had a Jack Sabby, it's because you're like, oh, hey, I got this ham beer. Uh, yeah. Hey, we drank many a ham beer because my mom kept buying it for us. Um. Yeah, so uh, Tales from the Dark Universe. It was, I did a segue to this beer. I'm just going to talk oh. about it now. Uh, Tales from the Dark Universe, Batman Nightfall, written by Scott Snyder, Kyle Higgins, and art by Javier Fernandez. Uh, and this is what if when Batman had his back broken and uh, John Paul Valley, Azrael came in, took over the mantle of Batman, killed Bane, and Batman, when he healed him, when his back was healed, didn't defeat John Paul Valley, but was defeated by him. And John Paul Valley rules 
Gotham with an iron fist and killing criminals and has these acolytes and has gone a bit crazy uh, and is ruling Gotham. He has Bruce Wayne's like head and torso that he goes and talks to for mentorship. But in the end, yeah, once a year, uh, but in the end, just doesn't listen to what he has to say and, and gives him shit. And uh, people outside of this world uh, who try to, well, try to and succeed, break in and destroy what John Paul Valley has done to Gotham. Is that a pretty good synopsis? Yeah. Um, well, that's Asriel. That's Asriel Comics as a whole. But continue. There's something weird about the outside world like it all fell into the crisis and only gotham kind of survived city like there was mention of that so i'm like oh so what happened outside the rest of the world what's what, what context is there and then i'm I like here it's not yeah. it's not supposed to matter because once i got to the page with batman being like uh, in this like weird contraption and or bruce wayne being in this weird like it's like you have like thing. I'm like oh this 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 you is have like Bruce Wayne's face with like a his brain and like a bubble glass and bubble like behind his head and then he's got like a three foot neck with his torso mm-hmm. and nothing else there like yeah it's it's really bizarre but at the same time uh, it's kind of cool it's, yeah it's that nine early nineties late eighties yeah. like over the top just pushed even farther and i'm glad we didn't get there with comics i'm glad we 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 crawled ourselves back away from that eventually and uh yeah uh there's there's stuff that happens in this there's things that happen and i both love and hate this book because okay good i'm the same (laughs) no and I was going to come out and say, this is my favorite book from like all the books that were submitted because I grew up an Asriel fan and reading those original Asriel comics, they're so dumb because it turns out like the order of St. Dumas, like the system that they're like hypnotically suggesting to people, they're like being crossbred with gorillas for strength it's a dumb nineties comic book and you get parts of it in this book with, you know, him keeping Bruce Wayne up in Wayne tower. And like every year he comes and amputates another limb for him until like Bruce can come to terms with and acknowledge the fact that like, no, like you're right. You're doing this better. It's so stupid. But I just, when I see Azrael in a book, I'm like, yep, okay, sign me up. I'm on board. I love, like, his Here suit is is still, like, that Batman 90s suit, but gone more Azrael. Yeah. Like, his mask is, like, stitched together. He has Bane's venom running through into his helmet. No, and, so like, he's the, like, the scallops on his glove are actually, like, batarangs, too. Like, because that was the thing with the Azbat's costume. It's like, no, it's the utilitarian. Like, he's he's the weapon. But it's so 90s and dumb. I love it. And, like, he's got those, these, that, his acolytes, which is, like, 
the one I think is just Firefly with a fire sword, and there's another like beefy dude. I, you know, yeah, I, I can't remember their names because like he's called the Cardinal. Yeah, the Cardinal, and then something else. I'm it would have been better it. if you could tell, like, if you could see that he was, if it was like Killer Croc. You know, like a villain that turned to like, oh, I'm just going to follow this guy. He's he's crazy and he's killing people. I want to be on his side just because of who he is. But like, it's crazy because it's like Lady Shiva and Bane's son come and break him out. And then they give him like nanotech. So Batman is back. And Paul was like, so he's bats? Like it... <laughs> It goes, it like, it, it just, it goes from zero to 120, but at the same time, you're in neutral. Like, it's, <laughs> it's just so crazy because it's like, well, I really appreciate what they've done with this book because it is. It's, if the 90s continued, this well, is I the think, mess that we would be. Yeah, I was going to say, if the 90s continued, or if you had given 1990s Chris, like, hey, get, write an Asriel book that takes place if he stays as Batman, it would have been this. Yeah. But again, written by Scott Snyder and Kyle Higgins, two completely solid, awesome Batman writers. It just shows you what's stupid and wrong with those 90s, like, edgy versions of the characters. And even good writers couldn't make anything decent out well, of it. For a second I think there, that was the thing. I was like, thinking I think that like, they gave them... Yeah. They leaned into it. They're like, oh, no. Like, if you have Ezreal stick on as Batman, nothing goes right. Yeah. And even, like, the whole, like, crazy scene where he's trying to fix the wall underwater and he's – he can't breathe underwater and he's having this hallucination with the the Saint of Dumas and is just like – and then he comes out and he's like, oh, thank Dumas. He's still alive. I'm like – why was he down there without scuba gear? Like, why wasn't he breathing under? Why, why didn't he have something to help him? It's so stupid. Because he's not Batman. He doesn't plan ahead. I know. Yeah, I know. That's like that's what I like. That's what I liked about this book. It's so over the top and stupid. It's like a it's like a bad movie, but it's a bad it's like, movie. It's the demolition it's a, man of comics. It's but it's like oh, uh-huh. we took a bat. We took what going to Taco Bell now. <laughs> We took a bad, like we took the idea of bad movies, and we did a really good job interpreting it into a new movie. You know, it's it's like it, it's like e- the Evil Dead, and then Ash versus the Evil Dead uh, TV series. Like, it's a great interpretation that is smart and funny, and they're doing a good job with it. And this is that. Like, it's not meant to. It's not meant to be good. It's meant to be that '90s times ten. Yeah, and I and like I said, that is what I liked about this book. I've been bad about reading comic books. I don't know what this whole dark multiverse thing is spinning out of or leading up to. But goddamn, do I want to see what these books are now based off of this one? Because it's if I was in charge of DC Comics. And like, uh, Mr. Roy, we have this idea for this weird mini spinoff event. Here's here's your into it. This is what we're going to present you to sell it. <laughs> Give me an Ezreal book. 
I'm like, yep, rubber stamp. Go ahead, do it. I think Tempest Fugit, Fuginot, or whatever the the, the monitor, not monitor, whatever he is. I don't know. There, yeah, there was there was it's a framing the... like to this book that I did not care about because I'm like, okay, you're telling me some shit about a story. Just put me into like this Elseworlds thing, and then then I'm on board. Uh, so there is a uh, Death of Superman, um, which is a continuation of that, where um, Lois Lane, twisted by rage and grief, becomes the eradicator to revenge all those who let Superman die. Uh, tales from the Blackest Night, which are the Black Lantern's win now 23 days after the apocalypse, witness the rise of Sinestro as the Limbo Lantern. That could be cool. Yeah, uh, that's oh, why... Shit. That's going to be the next book I read, isn't it? That's by Tim Seeley, too. Okay. And uh, Dark Crisis, or Dark Universe, Infinite Crisis. Um, you see the destruction of the tyranny, the rise of Alexander Luther, and Superboy Prime, and the okay. rebirth of the multiverse. I do want to go back to something that Paul had started talking about before, where Lady Shiva and Shiva and Bane's son come in and give Bruce Wayne's. Yeah, did we say he was Bane's son? And he's uh, yeah, just got you, you venom in it. his blood, he can just yeah. boost up. It's just part <laughs> of him. Um, but they give Bruce Wayne, like, a nanotech body. It's so dumb. <laughs> I thought they were giving him like a weird man. Well, it it came out of like a, a canister. And then at some point, yeah, I don't remember where it is. He, he mentions like, oh, like I'm made of nanobats now. Yeah, because they just, he's just this torso and they put this thing down and it has like glowing stuff coming out of it. And then all of a sudden, all this stuff happens and then he just appears out of a lot a swarm of bats and i'm like so for a second i'm like oh he's like man bat and he's controlling bats around him and then no he's nanotechnology and at which point i was defeated i was like <laughs> i'm surprised he made it that right. long into it <laughs> i'm like this, oh, this ever weird head of bruce wayne was weird enough and then when i got to that point i'm like Ah, uh, not nothing's for me anymore, guys. Nothing. Yeah, no, because me. this book was John, written for John Chris. Paul, John <laughs> Paul Valley rips off Bane's son's arm and then drinks uh, the venom feet. out of it, and it yeah. just goes. No, no. It's like it goes. Flurp, flurp. I feel, or just smear, smears it on his face. I feel much better. You can't tell. Yeah. So. That all happened. That all happened, and I stand by it. My favorite book <laughs> of the books that were submitted. Well, I, I, well let's get to. Oh, I, go ahead. You know, it's like a good finish for John Paul Valley because he gets stabbed by his old Ezreal gauntlet, and then his back broken, and then Batman is completely insane. Oh yeah, because he's like, "Nope, you were right. Should have yeah. been worse." <laughs> And you know why you, know you can tell he's crazy? Because he's got, like, glowing orange eyes with pupils in it. Well, yeah, I was going to say, it's because you can see his pupils in the eyes. And then also he kills Lady Shiva and 
Yeah. Her son, like, um, which I believe they call him Turn, which is another bird of prey to kind of keep in the, the Batman extended family. Like, oh, they're all named after birds or birds of prey type thing. And then we're going to get into our last book, which is going to be another DC Black label. And this is the Hill House Comics label within the DC Black label. An imprint of an imprint of a publisher. Yes. And this is uh, the Joe Hill book, Basketful of Heads, art by Leo Max. Uh, and this is, to me, this first issue reminds me of the first 20 minutes of an 80s slasher movie. Yeah. Uh, it's straight up. That's it? Just straight up? Just straight No. Well, I, I didn't <laughs> I want to interrupt you because I was agreeing had, with you. I, I so I guess you see that. Because the only reason that I think they set this in the 80s is because it this entire first issue felt like the first 20 minutes of an 80s slasher movie. Which uh, is like the least interesting part of an part, 80s slasher yeah. movie. Because I did not like, like this book at all. What? Okay. I, this is the least Paul books of all the books that we read today. Why are you shocked? <laughs> Paul, did you like I, I, I'm waiting for Paul to be like, oh, guys, I really love this one. Uh, this is my number one. I, I like this one. Uh, fantastic. That was off. Everything was awful. But this was, I think, the least of the awful. Except for Fantastic Four, just because it is Fantastic Four. So I got some enjoyment out of this. This was at least, I thought, well done. I thought it was, uh, I like the art. You know, everybody looks like a person. Nobody looks over the top. You can tell who everybody is, even though they're just people in regular clothes. But, Paul, when you read this, did you think the first 20 minutes of a horror movie? Yeah, you did? Yeah. Well, not first 20. I'm like, this is all set up, and we're going to get there. And I'm like, ooh, there's, you know, I'm like, okay, set up. Set so up. And then the you, saw, you finally see the axe, and you're like, ooh. That's what this whole. Oh thing yeah, is at that about. point I had already stopped caring. That's already no. That's already when I was like flipping through the pages to be like, does anything else happen? No. Okay. I think all like the all the character stuff and the conversations. I think it's well written. I think it's enjoyable yeah. to watch. But at the same point, where this book ends, it hurts the book. Like, this is something that I feel like you really need to read maybe as a trade or have different items or, like, the future kind of split in. Because this book starts with somebody walking with a basket. We don't know what's in it, but it's talking. Oh, I can imagine it's a basket full of heads based off of the title of the book. But then it's never addressed again for the rest of the issue, which that should be the hook. It hurts the book. It definitely hurts the book. Well, and then um, also in her well, book is also the, like, oh, the Shawshank prison. It's like, oh, your dad. I get the reference. <laughs> yeah. I, and it's Brody, which is from Jaws. Yeah, it definitely feels like it's calling on all those tropes, except for it would, should have been a, a different prison. 
than Shawshank because Shawshank to me didn't it's not a horror movie. You know, it might but be tied his, into a Stephen King novella. It's Stephen King, so it's like, oh, like wink wink nudge nudge, get it guys. Yeah. Uh, but also the person with the basket at the very beginning also has that axe. Yeah. Obviously that northern mythology axe that so-and-so's the sheriff who's like a rich, he's rich, got a big big house and all this. His uh, wife's like a socialite or something? I don't know. I just saw like a, the tight yeah. black dress and I'm like, I'm already out of this book, whatever. Yeah. And again, it, uh, oh, she's the only the reason money. this book seems to take place in the 80s is because then you can say like, well, no, it's, the, it's an 80s horror. Like, it doesn't do anything for it. Because even now, like, they have big, chunky cell phones. So nothing, nothing's really adjusted in this book for the time period besides the fact that Joe Hill wanted it to feel like an 80s horror movie. So it's that slow start. And then, yeah, you, maybe things will pick up in later issues. But to frame it that way just makes me think, like, well, this first issue doesn't have anything to offer. I don't need to keep reading it. Yeah, I, I would I agree. like Lock and Key, John. I'm just saying that. I don't know. And he has a whole no. line of comics coming out. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so stupid. There's a backup story that's, like, another thing that I didn't read, but it's, like, Colonial Founding Fathers horror I didn't even get that far. Sea Dogs. Yeah, I didn't. Read I didn't read. I didn't read the Sea Dogs. Sea Dogs is like what that cool dude at school wants you to call him. I don't know. Uh, what? It, it, it's not a name for a comic book. It's like going to school, and there's like that super senior that's been there for three years. Like, yeah, call me Sea Dog. I got uh, stubble. I, I got I got to the part where it was like the red ink. Uh for me it all started here and he talks about how his father bought him like uh uh anthology horror comic from DC called Ghosts. And I stopped right there because like my dad sent me a thing a couple a couple months ago that is like, Hey, you're related to this guy named John Kelman who is a comic book artist. And then I looked up and he was an artist who worked on ghosts and worked on all these other comic books. And I was like, Hey, that's kind of cool. So I saw that ghost book and I was like, Hey, is this the same issue that he worked on? And then I was on a, like a rabbit hole trying to look up different books with art by John Kelman. Like didn't have anything to do with it. I didn't go past that. Cause the book that I paid for and we read for this, was over and sea dogs didn't exist to me hey call me sea dogs hey sea dog only if you call me big daddy uh i i enjoyed the first 45 minutes of uh quentin tarantino's death proof where it's just people talking in a car and i don't care yeah, but then all the car stuff happens, and you're like, "Oh, that's pretty good." Yeah, uh, it is. It it where it stopped didn't matter, and like in this book, there's like a, a deputy to a sheriff who we did like a summer job working for a sheriff, became friends with him. He's invited over for a clam bake at the sheriff's house. Who's a 
rich guy uh, who his girlfriend just came in to help pack him up because he was only down here for the a summer job being a police officer, which makes no sense. And uh, is summer internship, John? Summer internship. Yeah, but even then he was yeah. like, oh, you know, the sheriff internship. said you don't do this as a parking. You know, you don't just do parking tickets. You do this to help people. And he always you saw dredge this morning. bodies from the lake. Like, what? Yeah. I, it, 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 it didn't make a lot of sense. A classic summer hazing, John. <laughs> classic summer. I don't know. I'm just hoping you guys come around to the fact that the bad Batman Nightfall, like, Uber 90s books the best of the week. For two months. Oh. Paul, I'm just saying, you shouldn't have pulled Marauders and uh, Excalibur. Those probably would have been the best I, There was no, t- <laughs> no time. No well, time I mean, if those. you got rid of Fantastic Four, we could have read both of those books. Yeah, we could have read both uh, of those. I, I, like, I do like this because it is the first 20 minutes of a horror movie that makes me... I, I, I don't know if I want issue two. But that's the thing, like, it... It didn't it, hook it me needs enough. To, it needs to hook you enough to bring you in. And that was my complaint about, like, Killer Smile even. It was like, there's this, the build there, but there's nothing to hook you in that makes me be like, okay, yeah, you know what, number two, I'm on board. Bring me in. Here we go. And if they said, like, oh, this basket full of heads, three, it's three issues. I probably would pick up issue two then, but to think that this might be an ongoing, this might be 12 issues, this might be just an ongoing series, get the fuck out of here. Like, I'm no, see, even at, at this point, I think three Seven. issues, like, no, th- there's not enough in number one to make me care. Why would I buy two and three? You know why? Because like, even I don't, after reading I don't Paul, buy, I Paul, don't buy again, any other comic books. Well, again, sorry, attacking Grand Design number one. Why would I want to buy number two when number one was just a lot of nothing? Because he bought one, and then he bought two the same day because he bought one after it had already come out, and he wanted to have I, both I, of them. I know, but just, just saying, like, reading a book, like, what would make you want to read more? There was nothing in any of these books besides, like, possibly King Thor and then wherever they go from uh, Dark Universe. Because, yeah, it was stupid and it was bad, but... You were on the hook for all this Dark but, Universe. But, yeah, fun, you were like, fun yes, idea. Okay, cool. like, yeah, the Blackest Night happens. All right, let me read more. Like... There's enough there that makes me want to check out what else is available. Like none of these other books, like Fantastic Four, The Question, Joker, Basketful of Heads, none of them had that. And like like the multiverse books, the Superman one I think looked like the art looked the best. And then the other ones, like the, the Darkest Night one, the art didn't look great in it. And the same thing with the, it's basically infinite crisis is going to happen, but Ted, you know, the blue beetle doesn't die and he's there to kind of warn everybody kind of a thing. That's what it seems like it's about. See that, but the art doesn't look great in it, but that's a cool idea. I, I, 
it's hard balancing, you know, story idea and then art altogether. But the dark universe thing kind of strikes me like we had convergence from DC comics a few years ago, where it's like, Oh, it's the convergence. You're going to see what happens in, you know, the continuing issues of the nineties green lantern where it's all Kyle Rayner. Okay. It's not a story that needs to be told, but it's an interesting hook. Ted Cord living through the 80-page prelude to Infinite Crisis. Okay, that's that's interesting, because, Paul, you were talking about that book earlier. Yeah. You know, that's Ted Cord's Act 3. That's what gets you into that character. Yeah, let me see what happens next. The rest of these books, though, no can do is There is no Act 3. But those Tales of the Dark Universe 2 are five ninety nine. You're charging me no huge can do bills, bills. And, you're not, but and you're not giving me great all. artists. You know? I, see, I, I five ninety nine for more Infinite Crisis or, you know, uh, Blackest Night. I've already, like, I bought all the issues for all of the Blackest Night Green Lantern crossovers. And then I went ahead and bought all of the hardcover trade paperbacks. I can, I can sink $6 into a What If Elseworlds. Because that, that's a that's a tale that I have something invested in. Much like yeah, the, but the Batman Nightfall. Like I I'm a slut for Asriel fucking bullshit comics. Yeah. That's and why, that's why I bought it. That's why I, I enjoyed this one. Well thank you. I, I owe you I for love that. The and then the, character, the Jackson And I knew me. you would like it. Like that's why I got it. I was like, oh, this is definitely something <laughs> Chris and I can bond over. It's, it's so stupid. But not to like rehash this point, but it tapped into that '90s dumb. Like, hey, I'm a comic book fan. I remember reading like the novelization of that book because I couldn't go get all of the issues. So I read the Batman Nightfall book by Alan Grant and was like, okay, like now I know what happened. And then in high school, I would go to the library and check out the the Batman Nightfall and. Um, Contagion books, and that's how I kind of kept up on what was happening. Like, it was that nostalgia that hit me. Mm. All right, Paul, and, no, and nothing was worse than the letdown that was the question, <laughs> the many deaths of Vix, because that was like, oh, cool, I'm finally going to get to see this character again. It's been so long; it'll be so cool. Oh, it's so awful. It's just it's so bad. It, yeah. I mean, like, it, it was. You have, like. It was a great letdown. You have, like, Rick Remender's question that came out probably 10 years ago. Which. Was it Remender or Rucka? No, it was, oh, Rucka. It was Rucka. It was Greg Rucka. It was, yeah. Rucka with Red Name Montoya. That was Rucka. Yeah, yeah but he also did a, he did a miniseries. And that's why. Oh, wow. Well. And it was, I, I'm pretty sure it was Greg Rucka. No, maybe it was Rick Remender. Good I don't man. remember. It's hard to tell. But it was nice. It was a good... It's like red and green, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good miniseries. Uh, and then you had the, you know, you had the Rete Montoya in um, Count, Countdown? Was it Countdown? 52. 
was 52. It was, uh, 52. And you had that character, and then you had Renee Montoya pick up that mantle. And it was like, oh, these this, like, a character I really like. And the Justice League Unlimited is such a good version. And it's uh, Jeffrey Combs, who's a horror movie icon doing the voice of the question. And he does it brilliantly. And you have all these things that add up in your head of like what you want out of the question. And then you get something that is none of that. And it doesn't fit the tone of voice for any of those characters that you said that have all are all different. You know, the, the Rick Remender or Greg Rucka question miniseries is one thing. The 52 is one. The Justice League is another. Renee Matoya, like, following in her mentor's kind of steps, her voice. Like, all of them are different but add up to the same thing, where that Jeff Lemire book is just nothing that you want or like about or would want about that character. And maybe the question series before that that we never, none of us read is more like that, and that's where Jeff Lemire is taking that. But it's definitely just a bad book. Uh, but power rankings, Paul. Okay, lowest. Why don't you start at the lowest? Uh, need... Power rankings. I'm going lowest, lowest to highest. That's power rankings. I think that's how we hover down there. Is I it? think we usually go from okay. best to worst. Well, I can't. I'm still unsure about the best because it was all bad for me. Uh, Vix, many deaths of Vic's age. Then the uh, the Azrael book. Ouch! Dagger, <laughs> right in my back. I'm trying to remember the other books. I'm trying to remember the other books we read. Thor. Yes, go to somebody. Do do you, uh, Thor was up. Do you want somebody else to go? Thor. Yeah. Do uh, Chris, are you Chris, guys or do you want me to go? go? Do you want to go lowest to best or best? Oh to yeah, best? because I feel like that's how we always do it: lowest to best. <laughs> Maybe it's not. I don't know. We've done a lot of these. I don't remember, Chris. I'm pretty sure we've always gone from best to worst. It's possible. I'm just saying things now because I don't remember. Um, but oh, do you want me to go? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So my favorite book that I read: Dark Universe, Batman, Nightfall, Number One. It just it hit me on that nostalgia nerve, like, and I felt that numbness happening. I was like, okay, you got me. I appreciate this. And then King Thor, number one, a little bit lost, but I don't know if it's because I just haven't kept up on it or I'm supposed to feel lost, but ultimately it was a well-done story and it looked great. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, my number three then would probably be Joker Killer Smile, evocative of the Joker hardcover novel what I really loved. Maybe if I read this as an OGN, I'd be a little bit more ingrained in it, but as a chapter one of whatever, didn't grab me. Uh, number four, I'd say Fantastic Four Grand Design number one. Just dense, but even being able to flip through it, I picked out moments that were evocative of what the Fantastic Four is. Uh, yeah, like when I sent that picture of the panel, I There's, there's, stuff, there's stuff there. Like it's a fantastic four book, and I was able to pick out things that's like, oh yeah, this 
this book is what the Fantastic Four was. Um, next, Basketful of Heads, because it's an 80s horror movie. It just didn't get me interested enough to care. And then, last question, Deaths of Vic Sage, because it's not what I want from a question book. And I need a little bit of fun and then some gumshoeing. This was just gross. Uh, Ezreal, Batman, Nightfall, number one. I think I yes. Joker, number two. Thor, number three. Basketful of Heads, number four. Way at the bottom, the question. And then I'm not, I didn't read Fantastic Four for, I'm going to just keep that off my list. You know, because I didn't, I didn't get through, I, I opened it up, saw it was 20, 20 panels on the page one, and we were going to record in, it was a half hour from then, but at, we were going to record at any minute. And I was like, well, I'm not, I, I can't even come close to even starting or finishing this. So Fantastic Four is not on the list. All right. So going from weird <laughs> top to bottom, just strangely, it's uh, King Thor number one, then uh, Basketful of Heads number two, then the Fantastic Four Grand Designs. Kill uh, Joker, Killer Smile, then Batman Dark Universe, and then lastly the question, which is basically the list that John <laughs> Post sent me, except I <laughs> threw in Fantastic Four. Almost exactly in that list. Paul, would you would you pick up right. Basketful of Heads number so, two? Uh, but if no, but I. Shouldn't have picked up any of them. <laughs> but you did pick up Fantastic <laughs> Four number two. But I shouldn't have. So, you know, there you go. I would I would more likely pick up or want to see, because it's only four issues, King Thor, one through four. Uh, I'm, But then again, like I'm interested in reading that in the trade. I'm just as interested in reading Basketful of Heads in the trade. Like, if you brought that as a trading policy, I'd be like, okay, cool. Like, I'm yeah. interested in it enough. Yeah, we've had my, my Black black Sad as a trade um, for eight months. <laughs> what was the last time we did one? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a while because we usually don't record more than two episodes yeah. in a month anymore. Let's hope, so. Hopefully in the new year we can fix that. <laughs> you will yeah. But we love doing this podcast, and hopefully you love listening to it. So if you do, make sure you let us know. Rate and review us over on your podcasting app or delivery unit. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, you can let us know there uh, if you're a listener and if you like us. Um, we'd probably be able to find that before any rates and reviews on whatever podcast listing thing that you do. Because I don't think... We've ever gotten anything from those sites, or even know if we did. We just—I yeah, don't—I don't know. We just do this for the love of the game. It's 
It's something that we just like to do because it's stuff you, that we love talking listeners, about. Listeners, so. you are on three friends that spend three best friends that spend very little time together, and this is the time we get together to talk, and we talk to and with you. Uh, so enjoy that. 